0: Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel
1: Yang.
2: Thanks for joining us for the Setser Church Leaders podcast. Before we get into our interview, we want to let you know that Max Lucado is one of the featured speakers at Amplify Outreach Conference coming October 18th and 19th. Amplify Outreach is designed for pastors and church leaders passionate about engaging with the real issues of our day in order to help people discover authentic faith in Christ. Be sure to learn more about the conference at AmplifyOutreach.com. Welcome to the Stets of Church Leaders podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and today we are honored to have with us Max Lucado. Max entered ministry in 1978, where he served churches in Florida, Brazil, and now he currently resides in Texas, teaching minister at Oak Hills Church in San Antonio. Max is America's best-selling inspirational author with more than 145 million products in print. His latest book is... Help is here, finding fresh strength and purpose in the power of the Holy Spirit. But before we hear from Max, let's go to Ed Setzer, editor-in-chief of Outreach Magazine and the executive director of the Wheaton College of Billy Graham Center. And Daniel
1: Yang is a new author. Daniel, what's the name? Inalienable. An- 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 inalienable. In- right. yep. Inalienable. And so if you put uh, Daniel Yang's books and my books and Max Locato's books together, we've settled together over 145 million <laughs> That's copies. That's right. I thought, I thought you should know that, everybody. So, But we had to work that in. And so we're... Um, but we're going to, so Mac, Max Legato has been, I don't know, you, for my kids, they remember him as uh, voices of characters, and Wormy. Uh, there's, uh, you know, different ways that we've engaged Max Lucado uh, over the years. And But he's got a new book, and it's kind of fascinating uh, because of the topic or the, the person who's the topic. And we want to talk about today the work, the, our understanding, and more of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the the actual the actual title of the book is Help Is Here: Finding Fresh Strength and Purpose in the Power of the Holy Spirit. But we were talking offline, and my my question I was wanted to ask you jokingly is, is Max Lucato the Holy Spirit? I you know I should I call my Pentecostal friends? I mean, should I call Jim Simbola? You know, should I call? So, but Max Lucato ha, has brought. Well, you tell us about it. What brought you to write something
0: on the Holy Spirit? You know, that is a great question. Because it, there, there is, by the way, thank you so much. Thanks to both of you. I'm, I'm very honored and grateful to have this chance to chat about uh, our unfailing friend, the Holy Spirit. Uh, I uh, was not raised to understand. I was not taught a lot about the Holy Spirit. I don't fault the uh, little church where I was raised, the small West Texas <laughs> congregation. I owned a Bible. I could have read about the Holy Spirit, but had you asked me, uh, I could have explained God the Father and God the Son, but asked me to explain the Holy Spirit. he. I would have given you a blank stare in, in the book. I do tell about it. I think you'll appreciate this story. Uh, when I was in high school, you know, I was a, I was a, I was a mess in high school and at college. I was the guy you did not want your daughter to date. I was drunk, uh, every at least three nights, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the way. I was a barroom brawler. I was just a mess. And, uh, and I knew I was a mess. I knew my, I, I knew that my train was going over the track, and when I was in high school, my senior year of high school, uh, a an evangelist came to our West Texas town from this far off country called California, <laughs> and it was a it was the I have such a vivid memory of a, a school bus that had been painted covered with flowers. Turns out this guy was part of the Jesus movement. Uh, I didn't know what the Jesus movement was, but he would preach in our school parking lot. Uh, And we would, you know, we listened and he invited, we, we were invited to go to home Bible study groups. I can't remember if that's what he called them, but I went. And for the very first time in my whole life, I was taught about the Holy spirit. And I remember having such an interest, such a fascination. uh, I was invited even to receive the gift of praying in tongues. I said, yeah, I'll do anything, but nothing happened. And I, 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 abandoned that pursuit, uh, because I, I seriously, I was such A mess. That that spiritual fascination lasted about two days, Mm -hmm. and then I was back in my old my old ways. When I did finally come back to Christ in my early twenties, I did decide to go into ministry. I did end up as a missionary in South America, and I did end up back in San Antonio in my nineteen when I in my early thirties in nineteen eighty eight. And that's when the wheels came off again. I was that pastor who wanted to do everything just right and solve every problem, answer every question. And uh, developed insomnia, stressed out. My wife was depressed, clinically depressed. I was a mess. I couldn't sleep at night. And that's when I began to understand John 14 of the Holy Spirit as a friend and a comforter. So there was. that's really the, 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 the waypoint or the mile marker for me as a young pastor in my early 30s beginning to sense the comforting strength as I was downstairs praying in my pajamas, exhausted and worn out, ready to resign, totally frustrated and began to sense, I'll just say a supernatural strength uh, that, that, that lifted me up. And it wasn't a dramatic thing. The Holy Spirit came to me as a friend, more with a whisper than a shout. And I began to sense strength in my day-to-day life. And again, it was when I was later studying in John 14, and I saw Jesus calling our comforter, our paraclete, our advocate, that I said, that's that's who's been helping me. Hmm. And so it, it, it has been this beautiful relationship uh, in the years that have passed. Yeah, I want to I talk through what that looks
1: like more. Um, I, I am intrigued, you know, when you come from a tradition, yeah. I came to Christ in the charismatic movement of the Episcopal Church, so the that tradition was early on in in, in my space and uh, and um, but when you come from a tradition and that might not emphasize that, which you kind of shared some, um, even like when you wrote about grace, I kind of thought of it similarly. Yeah. There, there was like yeah. when Max Lucado wants to talk about grace, I wanted to. It was very impactful. That book was a very impactful. Uh, well, more than one you've written in the space on Donna and me both, and then so I, I love the idea of what max Lucato is learning and seeing of where the holy spirit fits into our our ministry and mission you know our and our our focus is church leaders and we're going to get to that in a moment but let's talk some about what the unique role of the holy spirit and what's the empowerment of the holy spirit that max Lucato wants to point us to because those are key themes in the book
0: for um, for me my more recent fascination with the Holy Spirit or uh, pursuit of an understanding of the Holy Spirit comes out of a desperation. Uh, as I look around in, in society and I, after, you know, like you said, I've been in ministry since 1979 and um, I, I've, I found myself in the last five or six years really weary with the way churches were struggling to connect with society. And in our lifetime, we've tried everything from, you know, seeker-sensitive, seeker-driven. Uh, uh, well, we know all the different types of approaches. I've been to every possible different type of seminar. And uh, I, to be quite honest, I, I was getting cynical. And I thought, I don't know if our church uh, is, is going to connect, the churches are going to connect, given the political climate lately in the last three and four years or five or six years where churches are really becoming increasingly known for their political stance uh, more than their spiritual uh, position, that was frustrating continues to be for me. So those things working together, Ed and Daniel, are what caused me to say, mm-hmm. why What do we need? What do we need to revisit? Where do we need to go back as a movement, as a people? Well, the answer to that for anybody who's read the teachings of Christ is, you know, before he sends the disciples back to the upper room and says, go and wait on the Holy Spirit. He would not let them leave until they had received the Holy Spirit. It's such an extraordinary fact. They spent three years with Jesus. If, if anybody ever heard Jesus snore, it was those guys. They had heard everything. From, and then they spent 40 days with the resurrected Lord, but they still were not ready. He sends them back to Jerusalem and says, wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Well, that's what activated my return to a serious discussion about the Holy Spirit is that I I, I, don't want another program or church or idea mm. or trend, but I am hungry. I am. I am hungry for just a raindrop of the Holy Spirit to fall upon the church. And I'm, truly believe with all that is within me. And I'll go to my grave believing that the Holy spirit, our blessed unfailing friend can do more in a moment than the best preachers and pastors can do, you know, in a lifetime. And we just need a great awakening. We, we need that supernatural visitation of the Holy spirit to come upon us. We cannot coerce it. We cannot force it, but we can request it. And maybe it begins with uh, a great conversation. About the wonderful willingness of our unfailing friend to bless the church, the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I'll get preaching. And you? you oh, no, no, you're Yeah. Out. Well, I mean,
2: <laughs> even the way that you're addressing the Holy Spirit as a, you know, faithful friend. I mean, uh, I think so many times we think of Holy Spirit as our ministry consultant, uh, when really Jesus calls uh, Holy Spirit our Comforter. I, I like to uh, press into that a little bit more, the, the friendship of the Holy Spirit. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? I mean, how do you cultivate that? I mean, what's that been like for you?
0: Yeah. I've been accused of oversimplifying things a lot, so forgive me if this sounds oversimplified. But I—, I find great comfort in the story of Jesus in the upper room on the first Easter Sunday after the disciples had locked the door for fear of the Jews, you know, for fear that they would be crucified too. And, uh, and that great Easter declaration that, uh, you know, no, no locked door can hold back the resurrected Christ. And he appears in the upper room and the first words he says are peace be unto you peace be unto you. And then Thomas has his hesitation. And then Jesus says, receive the Holy spirit. And he breathed upon them. He breathed upon them. And so I take from that, that at any point in my life, I can simply inhale what Christ has exhaled that I can receive the Holy spirit. Um, I do believe that when I gave my heart to Christ as a young man, I received the Holy Spirit. I just didn't know how to follow him and how to respond to him. And sometimes I think that all of Christianity is reduced down to this one invitation to receive the Holy Spirit. So inhaling him on a regular basis throughout life, through the day to day, I believe is, I think, Daniel, a good answer to your question. You know, what does it mean practically? I'm not a big fan of a book that says five ways to receive the Holy Spirit, you know, or 10 tips on following the Holy Spirit. Those are helpful. They don't really work for me. But what helps me is this whole idea that the Holy Spirit is so willing to give if we will simply request to receive. And so I, I think that my chief assignment as a Christian is to receive the Holy Spirit and then trust that he will speak through me uh, as I as I just go about my day, go about my work. So has there been some sort of like
1: awakening to this for you as you, I know this was something you taught through, yeah. um, but I mean, even you're, you're we, we I've, known you, I've known you for decades, um, you were at the conferences, learning the new ways, the new things, and yet you yeah. seem to say now, no, I need to walk in the greater power of the Holy Spirit. Was this an, an awakening,
0: a, a new way of thinking of the Holy Spirit for you? It was gradual, Ed. Okay. It was gradual. It was more a gradual discarding of trusting, relying, I shouldn't say trusting, maybe relying on a different angle or a different strategy or a different trend. Uh, more of uh, discarding that and more of a returning to. Uh, the power that, that is that is described in, in the New Testament. Uh, I, I can look back on some occasions in which I had encounters with the Holy Spirit that are just personal moments mm-hmm. uh, in which I felt like I received a, a, an, an additional gift, perhaps, of the Holy Spirit, uh, an, a, a, a unique call or an anointing. Uh, very supernatural type uh, of moments, but it's more a gradual takeoff of the airplane than a shoot explosion of a rocket, you know, more of a just 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 increasingly dependent upon him. And I'm very encouraged. I needed to explore. I needed to understand more and return to the Holy Spirit because I was too dependent upon the right sermons, or the right program, uh, or or the right policy, or the right politics. I, I had myself had become that, and so uh, now I find a, a a joy level and a strength that was missing five or six years ago, uh, because I, I I've I think I've gone back to where I needed to be all along.
2: You said earlier we're in a very unique cultural moment, especially for pastors leading churches and your book is coming at a very timely uh, moment for a lot of pastors because um, they're asking questions how do we move our congregations forward post pandemic and all the cultural upheaval that they're experiencing and i i'm wondering like what is it about holy spirit in this season of your life that you think you know you want to encourage pastors to press in um yeah. cuz it's very easy to move forward in the strategy and how do we rebuild after post pandemic yeah. uh you know struggles um is that where they should be, or should they be in
0: the upper room still, Daniel? Boy, that is a great question. I think what we're what we're needing, what we're longing for, is a um, a return to a supernatural understanding of heavenly power. Um, we're we're longing and desperate as a people to have. Uh, encounters with our heavenly father in the way that he wants to bring about those encounters and uh and yet as a culture we are super secularized you know we just don't believe it if it doesn't can't be touched or or smelled or or tasted you know we we are completely secularized as a society and consequently when our people enter the church on a Sunday or they go to a small group in the middle of the week, uh, they have been unknowingly conditioned not to believe the unseen or not to trust in the supernatural. And so uh, I, I think if as a pastor, my opportunity right now during these days is to say, look what secularism has done to us. The depression rate is off the charts. The suicide rate is the highest it's been since World War II. Uh, one psychologist said that our children or our young people are going off to college wrapped tighter than Egyptian mummies, that they have the same uh, psychiatric struggles as psychiatric patients of the 1950s. It, it, the stress, the anxiety is just, it's just rocking our boat. And as pastors, This is our opportunity to say, rather than uh, turn to the latest, uh, you know, bestseller uh, or self-help book, what if we all on our knees turn to God and say, God, we can't fix this. We just can't, but we... We have seen what you can do. We saw it. We heard what you said when you stood up and said, if any man come unto me and drink out of his heart or out of him shall flow rivers of living water. This was in reference to the Holy Spirit. So that's what we desire, Lord. So this is, Daniel, I think our opportunity as a church to take people in a sense of honest desperation Mm -hmm. away from all the brouhaha of politics and opinions and say, could we not spend a good season on our knees asking God to do what we saw him do in the great awakenings, what we saw him do in the Welsh revival, what we believe he's so willing to do if we would only humble ourselves and pray.
1: And then the jesus people movement since you mentioned that as jesus well, amen, I love, amen. That. I love that and,
0: and god bless um, that pastor who stood on the top of this bus
1: <laughs> i know oh gosh that's so so great. great we did soul. a whole research project and an oral history if people want to go to jesuspeoplemovement.com we did an oral history of some of those leaders and uh partnership we, the wheaton college billy graham center and biola university so i yeah. I, I resonated with that um you know you mentioned deck coming in desperation i guess one of the things i like to ask is a little bit about what pastors and church leaders should have for their expectation as they walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I want to give a little context to that. So um, if you, I remember reading, it was a book published in 1985. Uh, I, read, I read it later, but it was an Indiana University Press, a scholarly look at Oral Roberts' life. I have a little shelf mm. on of Oral Roberts' history. And this was a scholarly look um, and it was called Oral Roberts in American Life, people can find it. And I just fascinated reading these things and these, you're like, huh, this and this and this. And so, but so much that was not my experience, even as I had come to faith in Christ as in a charismatic experience, uh, at a charismatic church. Um, so, you know, I, part of, I think where pastors and church leaders struggle is what should my expectation be? Oral Roberts said he had visions of towers and statues and things that were like, they had, they had dimensions and, and clear directions. And, and I have just found that the Lord hasn't led me that way. And so my question for you, Max Lucato, is, and this is a deeply personal question, what is your expectation for the kind of engagement that you have with the Holy Spirit today? Because maybe that can encourage pastors and church leaders. So we have, I'm not saying your experience is going to be everyone's experience. So we have to know what, what what can we expect? What does it look like to have that vibrant, filled with the Holy
0: Spirit relationship with him? Hmm. I think we try to answer your question, we try to avoid the extremes, you know, to one extreme is the person who uses their experience with the Holy spirit as a platform for personal promotion. Uh, there are people who have, uh, they, they come across almost like they're buddy, buddy with the Holy spirit. They have a backstage pass to the Holy spirit and their ministry consists of elevating themselves over we commoners who have not had that experience. That's a turnoff show-offs or turnoffs. That's just a rule of thumb. And then on the other extreme, there is the uh, kind of the self-appointed Holy spirit sheriff, that, that person who says, if I haven't experienced what you've experienced then what you've experienced is probably not biblical. And uh, I come out of that background. Mm-hmm. I, I come out of that history that was very uh, cautious, hesitant, uh, resistant. Uh, and so that, that, that is a real part of the world, so, part of the church. Somewhere in between, however, is that God-fearing, uh, scripture-trusting, uh, uh, law, uh, heaven-hungry saint who wants to uh, receive everything that God wants to give acknowledging the authority of scripture uh, and acknowledging the immensity of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can work in ways that, that we've never seen. And, and I think creating that sense of we're, we're, with, with humble reverence, with authority of scripture, we're going to lead our church into this adventure of uh, crying out, longing for uh, the Holy Spirit uh, to come and lead us. Uh, I, I when you were talking, a, a great illustration of that very top thing have, came to my mind, Ed. Uh, of course, you remember Promise Keepers and, yeah. and, and Bill McCartney. Uh, and, and I don't know I, I, all the different backgrounds of the leaders of Promise Keepers, but it was certainly of a more charismatic bent than I was accustomed to. And I I spoke at several uh, Promise Keeper events, and one of the first ones, maybe the first one or the second one, uh, there was a major issue that surfaced. I think a speaker couldn't make his flight, and there was a big gap uh, in the teaching, and they had to solve a problem. And so they gathered the speakers backstage, and we sat in a circle. And I remember Coach McCartney said, okay, we're going to pray, and we're going to if God tells anybody in this circle what to do, that's what we're going to do. I was unaccustomed to that. (laughs) I was unaccustomed to that, man. I was accustomed to, Hey, let's get our best brains together and talk this through. Right. But you know what? For crying out loud, I couldn't disagree with it. I couldn't say we can't do that. And, and goodness sakes, if the Lord didn't speak through somebody And somebody said, well, you know, something, here's a solution. And the coach said, okay, that's our direction. The Lord has led us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be quite honest, I read the book of Acts. That might be Mm -hmm. a little more (laughs) being led by the spirit than my typical approach. So through our lives, through our ministry, I believe the Lord brings us uh, in contact with others who have had uh, experiences. In learning to follow the Holy Spirit, that we could all, from which we could all benefit. Okay,
1: so um, the book just to remind everyone, us: help us here, finding fresh strength and purpose in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, I want to press a little more because you gave the example of Bill McCartney and how he did that, and I think that's great. But I would like to hear how personally uh, Max Lucado is um, engaging in. Uh, that's you you know what what does it look like how how does the holy spirit guide you how does the holy spirit uh comfort you how do you find fresh strength and purpose from the holy spirit again that's the subtitle of the book again it's help us here finding fresh strength and purpose in the power of the holy spirit specifically help set I, I again as you said everyone's experience may be different um but your experience may help us have expectations of what someone who's really leaned in on the holy spirit in a book what that might look like. So talk to us about that a little bit.
0: I am more confident than I've ever been in my life that the Holy spirit will guide me. And he tends to guide me through my thoughts. I shouldn't be surprised by that. He created me. He, he owns me. He indwells me. And so um, I am more convinced than ever that if I say heavenly father, should I, Say yes to this or no, uh, and then I sit quietly for a few moments. I will have an answer surface in my mind, hmm. and I follow that. I follow it. Uh, I've I've come. I've come to trust that. Uh, I believe also more than ever that the Holy Spirit takes all of my prayers and turns them into intercessions worthy of the audience of the triune God. Um, I believe it is so encouraging that the apostle Paul said, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Thank you, Paul, because if you don't know how to pray as you Mm. ought, I don't know how to pray. And if the power of prayer resides upon the one who prays, then I'm really sunk because I don't even know what to say. But to think that the Holy Spirit, one of the role of the Holy Spirits is to be an advocate or an intercessor in Romans chapter eight, that he takes our prayers and presents them in the presence of God. That really has, uh, Daniel and Ed, empowered my prayers. Sometimes my mind wanders when I pray. Sometimes I feel like I, I can't quite collect my thoughts when I pray. And, uh, and so to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is doing this for me is is remarkable. And then the third uh most significant, well I would say not the most, but a significant uh gift came my way. And this will surprise a lot of the audience. It already has sure surprised our church. Uh but you know when I was 64, uh on a July morning as I was praying, I began praying in tongues. Um I I was I had taken serious, I had not done anything different, except uh, I came across the passage where the apostle Paul said, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And I guess I thought, oh, I had all the gifts that I was supposed to have given to me when I became a Christian. Well, maybe so, maybe. But he says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. I said, Lord, is there any other gift? You desire from me, and I, I prayed that every morning for two or three weeks. And then one morning, early in the morning, I began praying uh, in a heavenly language. Again, I had been taught those languages were discontinued, and I really am not raising this topic so somebody can send me an email. Okay, I'm really not. I'm, I think we're. I'm,
1: the, I'm, the, I'm, let's just be honest. The Restoration Herald is writing an article <laughs>
0: right now. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I get it. And if that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not advocating one way or the other, but I will say that it is just a tender moment every morning when I enjoy. So you regularly
1: now pray in tongues as part of your prayer time. Yes,
0: sir. Yes. Okay.
1: Were you, do you consider that you experienced the baptism of the Holy spirit at that time? You said earlier that, uh, you received the Holy spirit at conversion. Do you see that as a baptism of the Holy spirit or is that a subsequent filling
0: with some gifts? How would you describe that? You know, when people ask me if, uh, do I do I think that there is a uh, post conversion experience right. of the Holy Spirit, uh, and and my answer is I think there is, but not just one. Okay, I think there's almost daily. Right. Um, I think I received a post conversion experience this morning in, in prayer time. You know, uh, I, I believe that there is that fresh filling that comes as we do our best to to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, to me, that was a very unique. Now, uh, can I be really quick to add? Uh, and I really point this out. I tell that story in the book, but I'm right, very careful to say uh that doesn't make me a better Christian. That doesn't right. make me a better believer. I don't ever display that gift. I believe the apostle Paul, in fact, really encouraged the church in Corinth to keep that in perspective. He would rather preach. What was the phrase? Uh, with a thousand words they could understand. five. I think I had it backwards. Five words they could understand than a thousand. <laughs> they couldn't. So right. I'm doing I don't make a big deal out of that. Right. I never mention it. I've, ne- I've mentioned it with our church one time. Uh, but I've, I don't display it. Uh, I, I don't In fact, I, I, I'm sitting here talking. Should I have even mentioned it on the podcast? Cause I don't want to come across like I've heard others come across like, oh, I'm a super saint now that I had right. this mm-hmm. gift." But that, I think that is a fair answer to your question yeah. of, of how I, my relationship with the Holy Spirit.
1: And that's part of why I wanted to press is because I think, um, I think to, first of all, that, that is. I mean that will, people will talk about that. I think that's a significant bit of information. That uh, you know, a restoration movement pastor who's been you know basically a low church evangelical. I mean, when I was at your church, you had a you know, had an acapella service. You're probably still over the more early acapella service. And I mean, your your church is is re- got a journey of evang- from you know church of Christ into this evangelical space. That is a significant. Development of your understanding of the Holy Spirit that I, I think a lot of people will find very interesting, which is why we keep. I was asking about was this or I think yes about was there some sort of awakening, or something that's there. So what would you say? Because you know I, I have friends who've, uh, you know, sought. You, you mentioned when the Jesus People Movement preacher came, you you prayed to receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues then, and you didn't. So what would you say to pastors and church leaders? Say, man, I want all that the Holy Spirit has for me uh mm-hmm. what should i do how, how should i seek all the face of god the filling of the spirit and all the holy spirit
0: has for me yeah i think a childlike faith is really the soil uh in which the seeds of the holy spirit are best sown a childlike faith that says whatever you want to give me i know my wife has requested uh uh, several uh, she has requested the same and has received different gifts uh, th- than i have she has a really powerful sense of discernment she picks up on uh i think the presence of a, a demonic force uh that that i don't even notice and and so she's very quick to gift of uh, discernment point things out gift of discernment uh-huh some of the uh, gifts like that so I, I i do i do believe that uh it was not a happy day when uh, uh, the evangelical movement began to squabble about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think in order for us to see revival, there needs to be a reunion, a, a coming together, an acknowledgement that none of us. I mean. For, for anybody to say they understand all the work of the wonderful Holy Spirit is to say that somebody can take the Pacific ocean and put it in a thimble. That ain't going to happen. Yeah. You've had your experience. I have mine. Let's acknowledge that our Holy Spirit is is active and, and working. And as pastors, I believe we can continue to say, Lord, do I am I receiving everything you want to give me? I'm open. I'm thrilled with what you've given me. If I receive nothing else, wonderful. But if you have another uh, strength, a gift of hospitality or a gift of teaching, if you're going to strengthen this or that, please, I'm just available. So I think that's the attitude that we have to take. Hmm.
2: And even in your story, and I hear this uh, with other pastors and Christians who are later in life and maturing and but they get to this point of desperation and it becomes about a reinvestigation of who am i lord and and um and you brought up this word earlier anxiety um and i think a big part of uh maybe what i'm hearing you saying is that there's there are things that holy spirit can tell you about yourself that nobody else can and um i'm thinking about pastors and leaders right now where the internal critic is very strong. The external critics are very strong, and that's forming their primary imagination about who they are. Um, and how, how, how might they listen in to the Holy Spirit about truth about who they are
0: and, and their identity in Christ? Remember Paul's promise or announcement that the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit comes carrying the love of God into our hearts. Uh, and that he wants to deposit that love deeper and deeper into one of, one of his assignments is to, to be the seal of the saint, you know, to secure us, uh, for salvation. Uh, and to know that my salvation is secure, that I'm loved by God and cherished by God really puts me in a posture where I can, I can stand up and I can, I can address the church. Uh, this voice, this inner critic voice is one of those voices that we have to, uh, bring before the judgment seat of Christ on a regular basis. You know, we take every thought captive, bring it in front of the judgment seat of Christ. And we say, Lord Jesus, is this, is this you telling me that I'm not any good at this? Uh, I don't think that's the tone of view, Lord. Where's it coming from? Would you please speak? And so uh, speaking to Jesus about these critical voices that have come into our minds and allowing him to do what he, through his Holy Spirit, is so willing to do, to be that comforter, to be that advocate, and to trust him to do so, is, is, is really, really important. Um, as long as I'm confessing all my many sins and getting everything out in the open, <laughs> uh, you know, I regularly say, Lord, help me to uh, resist temptation of uh, looking at women the wrong way, disrespectfully. Um, I'm very sorry, Lord. I'm very sorry that when I saw that lady who cut my hair the other day, I just couldn't quit looking at about how pretty she is. And, and, and I'm sorry about it. And I'm telling you guys, my brothers, I'm sorry, but the Holy spirit is helping me in this area of my life. Nobody take this please. I'm not doing anything. I'm not involved in anything. I'm just talking about how, (laughs) how, how I had, I have learned to go quickly to the Holy spirit and say, I'm so sorry uh, about my attitude or, 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 or the thoughts that I had. Uh, would you please help me? Would you please help me? And what I'm finding is if I stay in communion with the Holy Spirit, instead of seeing the Holy Spirit as the head coach who sends me out on the field to run the play alone, and then I come back and report to him to get the next play. But if mm-hmm. I can see him as Jesus wants me to see him as my comforter, my advocate, the paraclete, the one who's right beside me, then I'm incomplete. Even as we're having this interview, I want to I say, Holy Spirit, am I saying what you need me to say? Mm-hmm. Am I following in step with you? And I'm finding renewed strength, renewed discipline uh, for some of these uh, temptations that have dogged me all of my life. Uh, and I'm, and I'm thankful for that yeah and and I'm thankful for our conversation today it's
1: been it's been transparent and helpful um and I don't you know I want to recognize too that we you you rely a lot and again the book is called Help is here A lot of it has to be the Holy Spirit as helper and then finding fresh strength a lot of it to deal with strength uh purpose and more um and and some deals with spiritual gifts we mentioned speaking in tongues um but you also talk some about the how do we you know gifts of the Holy Spirit you talked about your wife and having gifts of discernment. Um, how do we, as pastors and church leaders, you know, our audience, how do we help people access and walk in, uh, the power and the
0: gifts of the Holy spirit? I think first of all, we remind our church that our faith is inherently supernatural. Uh, unlike other religions that follow the teachings of a dead leader, uh, or unlike secularism that follows just the collective opinion of a society. Uh, we believe that the same God who created the universe that we're seeing so much more clearly now, thanks to the web telescope, the God who created all of that is ready to talk to us. And so if, again, I go back to the fact that our churches live in a secular society and have unknowingly been conditioned to think in a secular mindset. And so we, we need to remind the church, we are a supernatural people. We are a people who believes in an unseen God. And so we, we make that announcement. And then I think we help people understand the personality of the spirit, that the spirit is a person, that the spirit is a power, that the spirit is strength. I did read uh, one, one uh, Lifeway research uh, tool that said Three out of five Christians do not believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, but more of an impersonal power, and that's unfortunate. Uh, you know, how do you have a relationship with electricity? Uh, but if the Holy Spirit is as who He is, a a person, then we need to educate our churches and edu- remind ourselves that He He has He can be quenched. Uh, he can be angered, uh, he, he, he can be uh, abandoned, he can be denied. And so all of these things we can do to a person, we can do to a spirit. And then number three, I think, I think inviting people to make sure they have explored the gifts of the spirit and that they're walking and serving out of their unique gift mix or unique gifting is simply being a good steward of, of what God uh, has given to each one of us. Those are just two or three ideas. Good
2: ones. Yeah, You've been listening to the words and wisdom of Max Lucado. Be sure to check out his latest book, Help is Here, Finding Fresh Strength and Purpose in the Power of the Holy Spirit. And you can learn more about Max at maxlucado.com. And thanks again for listening to the Stetser Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review that'll help other leaders find and benefit from our content more easily. We'll see you in the next episode.
0: You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.